Are we adaptable? When things change, do we get set in our ways and set in our positions of status? Or are we willing to serve in ways that are uncomfortable? Are we willing to be invited into spaces that might make us more vulnerable, make us have to acknowledge our weakness? So I think I made a pretty big mistake. I got some tattoo sleeves and I don't really regret the, the tattoos themselves. Um, I got these flames crawling up my arms, super cool. Um, but then I went to the bank after and I got escorted from the line out of the building by security because they don't allow firearms in the building. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 199, almost to 200. If it's your first time joining us, welcome. We start every episode with a dad joke. I hope you enjoyed that and gave you a little chuckle to start your day or finish your day, whatever time you are listening to this. But if it is also your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. And the highest compliment you can pay me in this podcast is to share it with your family and friends. And if you choose to do so on social media, God bless you. And please tag us when you do, at Mana Food for Thought. Uh, that way we can see it and show some appreciation and, and just thank you and pray for you in return. And so, um, yeah, please do that. You can find all of our social media information and our content on our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. Mana is spelled M-A-N-N-A. So M-A-N-N-A-F-F-T.com. Go there, click on the subscribe button, and you will be signed up for our weekly Psalm Reflection newsletter straight to your inbox every Wednesday morning. That's the only thing that we send. And if you click on the give button, if you feel so inclined, you can help support this uh, podcast financially for as little as $1 a month and you become a patron and patrons get perks and they get our prayers as well and our thanksgiving and gratitude. And I'm so grateful for all of you who listen, all of our patrons. Uh, thank you for showing up with us as we dive into the scriptures for the upcoming Sunday, which is our goal in all of the content that we produce in our weekly uh, newsletter for our psalm reflection, uh, this podcast, our Bible study, all of it to help prepare you to worship better every Sunday. But before we get into that, let's get into our joy junk and Jesus. My joy this week um, was actually last night. We had our first family dinner um, after having baby Sophia. Sophia is now, as of recording this, uh, about 11 days old. Um, but we had my parents over and Levi's godmother, Justine, and it was just great, and um, I had a I, my Instapot. This is kind of a junk part of this. My Instapot malfunctioned this past week, and I thought it was broken. So I was having a little like heart attack while I was cooking dinner for family dinner because I was using the Instapot. But the recipe turned out great. The Instapot did not fail like it did the previous time. I think I just did something wrong with sealing it or some setting, or it just wasn't you know adjusted or cleaned properly or whatever. So. Um, anyway, that was really great um, to have that, um, just feeling like some normalcy return and, and seeing people, um, <clears throat> having people in our home. So that was great. My junk uh, was that this past week, uh, my other two children have been uh, both recovering from coughs or illnesses. My, my daughter had an uh, outer or external ear infection, so like more toward the, the outside just from agitation or water or something. So I've been having to put these eardrops in her ear. Um, <clears throat> but my son, uh, Levi, was just on another level this week. Uh, one day this past week, just like nothing I said was he listening to. It was, it was unreal. So um, that's been a little crazy. And then this morning, 
as I was doing some household stuff, getting ready for the day and for the week, um, I minorly tweaked or threw out my back. Like I like went to stand up after bending over and I like froze and I've done this before and I, I know like the best thing for me is to just kind of force myself to straighten up as, as best as I can and then stretch and apply heat and try and take it easy. So I did that, but my back is still hurting. So please, uh, please pray for me. Uh, my Jesus moment though has been um, also just so many people being so kind to us and sending us gifts and things for Sophia and for our family and bringing meals over. And that's just been so wonderful and so helpful. And we're just so, so grateful. Um, and then Friday and Saturday this past week were very crazy days, like schedule wise, especially for me. I had to get the windshield in my car replaced. I had a scripture retreat here at the parish that I had to set up and clean up for. And we had, you know, we have the baby, we have our kids. So I don't know, things just lined up very perfectly um, to where like everything happened exactly like in the best way possible to where it was just not stressful. So I always see the Lord in those little moments when things line up. It's just, I feel like that's him. So at least in my life. So that's how he blesses me. So um, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Um, and the room I'm in, the lights just turned off automatically. So now I am podcasting in the dark and it's always freezing cold in this room. So now I feel like I'm in a cave. So anyway, uh, let us get into our uh, episode for this week. This week, it is the fifth Sunday in ordinary time for this Sunday. And our second reading is from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 16 through 19 and verses 22 through 23. So Paul here, again, writing to the church in Corinth. It is a uh, pagan, uh, secular, political trade epicenter uh, at this time in uh, modern day Greece. And uh, a lot of <clears throat> lewd and uh, inappropriate practices when it comes to pagan religion centered in Corinth. And uh, Paul establishes a church there. He lives there for 18 months. And when he leaves, he hears about some of the troubles that they're having and sends them numerous letters. And this is the first one that we have uh, record of, of him trying to encourage them to be unified, to uh, what it means to be Christian, how to come together in the right way. Um, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to mor morality, when it comes to spiritual gifts, all these different things, how to function as a community. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he's talking about his rights as an apostle and how he acted as an apostle so as to be a good example for others. Uh, and so listen to, to it's, it's a little bit after the context, so I'll paint you the context a little bit, but um, listen to what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He writes, brothers and sisters, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed on me, and woe to me if I do not preach it. If I do so willingly, I have a recompense. But if unwillingly, then I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my recompense? That when I preach, I offer the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so as to win over as many as possible. To the weak I became weak to win over the weak. I have become all things to all to save at least some. All this I do for the sake of the gospel, so that I too may have a share in it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul here, he references a few things where he says, I offer the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. He's talking about, he alludes to this earlier in verse four, that as an apostle, Paul, he has a right in the early church kind of hierarchy to be supported by the community if he chooses to, but he elects not to. He chooses to keep working 
uh, so that he can just freely preach the gospel and not feel like he's indebted to anyone, not feel like he is taking advantage of anyone. Not that other apostles were doing that, but there were certainly other heretical preachers or preachers that were not part of the disciples of Jesus who were trying to bandwagon onto this at the time and were taking advantage of communities or doing it for money, things like that. Uh, so he uses a couple words here as well where he says, um, if I... If I preach the gospel willingly, I have a recompense, which means a reward. I have a reward. But if I do so unwillingly, then I've been entrusted with a stewardship. And the word there for stewardship is oikonomia, which is an economy. And, and it's often translated uh, synonymous with being the master of a household or being you know entrusted with the care um, of a group. And so what he's basically saying is like, if I do this the easy way, then yes, I get a reward. But if I do this a way that maybe I wasn't willing to do or that's harder... I'm being entrusted with something more precious. I'm being entrusted with a community and I'm not going to take advantage of that community and make right of uh, exercise my right to be pro pro them providing for me. I am going to provide for them. I am going to change in regard to them so that I can remain free and not in debt to anyone, but so that I can become like the people I preach to so as to win over more of them. And he talks very much about weakness. And so He's talking here about leadership and how leaders need to lead from a place of vulnerability and acknowledge their weakness. And it reminds me of the fact that like every Christian, every single one of us, whether you're in a position of leadership or not, we have the opportunity or maybe not the opportunity. We have the capability to do serious good or serious harm. Every Christian has the capability to do serious good or serious harm. Not only can we cause incredible scandal, we can lead others astray. We can compromise their salvation. We can teach them incorrectly. This is why in the book of James, James writes uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you realize that we will be judged more strictly. We can also fall into the trap of making this all about us instead of about the Lord. We can pre present ourselves as an idol for worship and admiration instead of pointing people to the Lord. And so the, the risk here is, you know, when we care too much about our image and when we don't recognize our own need for the gospel, that we are no better than anyone that we are preaching the good news to, that we are not, you know, elevated, condescending, looking down upon these people who do not know the good news, but we are evangelizing them. And my favorite definition of evangelization is uh, evangelizing is one starving person showing another starving person where the bread is. We are all starving for salvation. We all need Jesus. Some of us have found him and others have not. But that doesn't change the fact that we're starving. All it compels us to do is to tell other people about the source of our salvation. That is what we do here. And Paul, he does that so well. He doesn't take advantage of his role as an apostle. He doesn't take advantage of anyone financially or uh, rest on his laurels. Uh, bask in the comforts that people are willing to give him. No, he he lives humbly. He lives uh, a chaste and, and simple life. He works for himself so that he can preach the gospel and not let it be attached to any of the messiness that might come uh, from people, you know, kind of providing for him or him relying on the stewardship of other people. And Paul is honest about his weaknesses. He's honest about the fact that he's not perfect either. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, he says, um, he says, therefore, that I may not become too elated, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me. But he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I will rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ may dwell with me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, which we read, when he's saying, to the weak, I became weak to win over the weak. Paul reaffirms that in his second letter to the Corinthians, talking about when I am weak, then I am strong. When I acknowledge my weakness, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm acknowledging my need for Christ, who is the strongest, who is my ultimate strength. And so when I am weak and when I'm honest about my weakness, I can step out of the way. People can clearly see this is not about me or anything special about what I say or do. This is Christ working in me and healing me, and he can do that for you as well. Paul, he's speaking, he's speaking against the prevailing cultural obsession at this time with wealth and status. And we have our own struggle with that in our world today. With social media, we have a radical sense of kind of Western independence. We want everyone to see that we're wealthy, that we're self-sufficient, that we're independent, that we don't need anybody. Look at how many followers I have. Look at the hustle that I have, the side business I have, how much money I make every month. And so many people are unwilling to admit when they are wrong or if they made a mistake or that they need help. This is why our political system has become so divisive. People are unwilling to admit that they could be wrong about anything and that their preferred candidate or party could be wrong about anything. And then it just becomes this hatred spewing vitriol against people who do not agree with you instead of our willingness to admit, maybe I don't fully understand this issue. Maybe the things that I've believed were not, um, were not well-researched. Maybe this isn't the right thing. Maybe I, I can be open to be convinced or to see things in a different light or to find a common ground. So are you, are you humble? Are you willing to admit that you are wrong? Are you willing to admit when you made a mistake or when you need help? Are you willing to be vulnerable? I see in ministry that a lot of ministers become quick to criticize other ministers or other ministries from this kind of pedestal of expertise or experience or, or even their own personal preference instead of approaching new things with the openness to God of a person who's constantly in need of a savior. Every single person you meet has something to teach you. Every single person that you meet, Christ is dwelling with, within them in some veiled way because they have a soul. That soul comes from God. They're made in the image and likeness of God. And so in some way, God is dwelling in, their, in them. And they can reveal, every single person you meet can reveal something about God to you. And so if we're not willing to see that, if we think that we are so high and mighty or experienced or um, always in the right, always kind of gossiping about others or complaining about why they're wrong or what they're doing, we need to be willing to admit um, our own weaknesses, even share our weaknesses in order to authentically witness the gospel to others. Testimony can do this. Admitting our faults, asking for forgiveness can do this. Parents of your children, do you admit when you're wrong? Do you ask forgiveness of your children? Do we do this in ministry? If we say one wrong thing one week and someone corrects us, do we come back the next week and say, actually, I was wrong about this? And please forgive me for, for saying this incorrectly. When we share testimony, do we do it to glorify ourselves and look how holy I am now and look how far I've come? Or do we do it to glorify God and share, yes, there is weakness. And even though God has worked in my life, there is still weakness and I still need him. I'm not perfect. Are you willing to ask for help or advice or guidance 
so many ministers I know and so many Christians I know who are seeking to live a vibrant and healthy relationship with God, they do not have a regular confessor or a spiritual director. They don't go on an annual retreat for themselves. They do not acknowledge their own weakness. And then once we do that, we need to go to the weak. Those who are spiritually weak, physically weak, emotionally weak. We need to go to those who are poor, poor in spirit and poor materially. There's this great quote. I can't remember who said it, but um, they said, the problem is not that we don't care about the poor. It's that we don't know the poor. As Christians, we are very good about caring about issues. We have a second collection for everything under the sun to express how we want to financially contribute and how our heartstrings might be pulled at someone from a mission coming and preaching every weekend uh, at our parish. And then we put money in a basket and we say, yes, of course we care about that. But the problem is not that we don't care. It's that we don't know those people. We don't know them by name. We don't know those in our community, in our family, in our churches who are weak spiritually or emotionally or physically or mentally. And if we are willing to admit our own weakness, we can meet them where they are. We can go find them. We can have a common ground with them. But most of the time, we're not willing to admit our weakness. And so we serve in very comfortable ways. We serve in ways that are more visible. We serve in liturgical ministries. I am the lector. I read the readings. I'm a Eucharistic minister. I give out the body and blood of Jesus. And they become these kind of positions of entitlement and status. And I hear this all the time with people who've been entrenched in ministry or who have been part of a parish community for a long time. Oh, my family, we've been, we've been here since the church was built. We've been parishioners here for this many years. Our envelope number is this. We're Eucharistic ministers. We've been on this council and in this ministry. And I just want to lovingly tell them, like, I really don't care because you're a sinner just like me. And all those things are a laundry list of ways that maybe you've forgotten that. And I forget that too. And we need to ask ourselves, are we serving in comfortable ways? Are we adaptable when things change? Do we get set in our ways and set in our positions of status? Or are we willing to serve in ways that are uncomfortable? Are we willing to be invited into spaces that might make us more vulnerable, make us have to acknowledge our weakness? And when it comes to preaching the gospel, are we doing it in uncomfortable ways? Or are we doing it when it's easy? It's so easy to talk about your faith within the four walls of church or at a parish ministry. It's not easy to talk about your faith around the dinner table when everyone doesn't agree. Or in the workplace break room when it's brought up that you're wearing a crucifix or what you did uh, on Sunday. It's not as easy. Are we willing to be uncomfortable? What are we risking? What do we think we're risking by not sharing the good news? Or by what do we think we're gaining by pursuing the, the ways of the world? for wealth and status and thinking those things will make us happy. There's this really interesting study I came across in 2009, the Iona Institute did a study and they found that of all the groups of people that they studied, priests and religious statistically lived longer than any other profession. And they also lived happier and died happier. Why is that? Because they're so accomplished and they're so followed and sought after and so wealthy. No, they take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Those are the three like cardinal sins in our culture, not poverty, richness, not chastity. Do whatever you want with your gender and your sexuality, not obedience. Be independent. You are your own authority. That is what the world offers us. And it is misery. It is a surefire path to misery and destruction and death. The reason why priests and religious 
and couples who have a religious founding to their marriage or who have that in common and who are pursuing Jesus and instilling that in their family. Why every study that studies these things finds that these people live longer, they live happier, they have more satisfying lives, whatever they do for work, they have more satisfying romantic areas of their lives and relationships because they live out these virtues. And namely, priests and religious live out these kind of antithetical to our culture values of poverty, chastity, and obedience. They produce the greatest virtues and feelings of fulfillment in those who take them on. And yet, they can be very uncomfortable. They, they need to put you in a position of weakness where you have to say no to things, to be obedient, to subjugate yourself to the will or the authority of another, to be chaste, to say no to things that most people say yes to and are trying to convince you are normal. To say yes to poverty means saying no to materialism and all of this kind of hustle-oriented culture of making money and being financially well-off. Those things require us to be weak, to be vulnerable, to rely on other people, to not be self-sufficient, and to recognize that even if we were, that wouldn't be satisfying in itself to fulfill these desires in our heart. Only the Lord can satisfy. So what, brothers and sisters, are you being invited into? What ways are you being invited to serve in uncomfortable ways, to have uncomfortable conversations, to admit your weakness, your need for vulnerability, to share your testimony, to admit your faults, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for help or advice or guidance, to admit that you don't have it all together? To the weak, I became weak to win over the weak. We cannot do anything for the kingdom of God if we are so focused on building up our own image and acting as though we have it all together. Because when we do that, we negate our need for a savior. If there's nothing wrong with my life, I don't need saving. And whether I realize it or not, I divorce myself from any kind of need for Christianity or Jesus at all. That is not the life for a Christian. We need the Lord. Everyone needs the Lord, whether they're willing to admit it or not. We all need Jesus. But in order to find him and in order to share him with others, we need to admit, first and foremost, that we have weakness, that we have need, that we cannot help ourselves, that we are starving, and that we need to find where the bread is. And when we do, when we do, we are invited to share that source of knowledge with others. Brothers and sisters, whatever that invites you to in this week, I pray it would bring you to, to prayer, to discernment, to ask the Lord to lead you to the places that will reveal the greatest healing and greatest purpose and to show you the ways in which you are being called to serve in uncomfortable ways, to admit your weakness and your faults so that others may know the gospel and so that you may experience it more richly in your own life. That is all I have for you this week. Until next time. I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.